This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Everyone get in here quick. Tell a friend. The Seattle Overload podcast is live. We're live on YouTube. The YouTube. Only tube. 40 minutes late. Let's go. Would Pete Carroll say tube or tube? I think he would occasionally drop to a tube. A tube? Mm. Tube? Tuba. 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 Tuba Hubbard confirmed going to the Seahawks this trade deadline. Mm. I, don't, I don't think that's confirmed. I just confirmed it. Sources are telling me right now. I have um I have ridden the tube. Have you ridden the tube? No. Okay. No. No. Stop. 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 Stop it. You're the reason why we're late. You had to make more tea. You had to make whatever. You had to take a nap and, and make it's coffee Italian, and tea. Italian espresso. Italian made espresso. From Brazilian and South American coffee. But fine. Oh, we're live? oh shit. Uh, <laughs> hey, everyone. Griff's here. Griff's here, everybody. Yay. Right. Maddie, uh, Maddie uh... clap. Maddie clap. Maddie clap. No, Don't I can't. I'm hold- I'm, I can't. I'm holding this mic. I'm it's not uh, 2817 Cardinals. Okay. And their their defense is apparently good now. Is it though? Yeah, two pick sixes. I mean, Gino must do one against uh, mm-hmm. a similar kind of fire zone deal. We'll anyway, we will. Welcome to the Seattle Overload Film Podcast of the week, where we're going to recap the Seahawks' victory over the Arizona Cardinals. As you can see on YouTube, the whiteboard's ready. I've got a drawing prepared, so I won't have to turn around and show my back to everyone and my hunched gait. Ty, Griffin. Mm. Let's, hear, let's hear from Griffin. Griffin, how was the tape uh, overall? Are you happy? Um, so much better, man. Things are normal now. The defense had a really good game. Um, I mean, they flipped the switch. They went, they went from being awful to incredibly good not incredibly good for this game not saying they're going to be incredibly good moving on um but they had this in them the whole time like you saw signs of it 
I mean, you saw signs of it in the Broncos. I think they played well defensively against the Broncos, despite what the numbers were. But the second half of the 49ers game, um, kind of like the first half of the Lions game, uh, and bits and pieces of the well, really mostly early down of the Saints game, as like we talked about. But it was it was them doing it for a full four quarters for all three downs, all four downs, because they had some fourth downs they had to defend as well. Um, I mean, clearly the themes were this game narrowing down the calls, narrowing down, which really means narrowing down what they're matching up front with and on the back end, the fronts of the coverage. And which then what that really means is the players are all playing techniques that they're familiar with. Um, and then on top of that, like the, the rookie corners are just getting better and better. And even Mike Jackson had an okay game. So they're figuring out what to do with the safety. So everything just came together and they dominated the Cardinals. And we can say the Cardinals are bad, which on offense, which they are. But coming into that week, they were like 17th, I think, in EPA, total EPA or EPA per EPA per drop back. And then like 19th in total EPA. So they're like a clustered with average. Um cluster with the medium and Seattle held them to like well well below their average you know if you compared it to if you compared their EPA per play to the rest of the leagues leagues averages up to that point they'd be like 31st or something right now so um they, they dominated them so yeah it was good stuff that's what I like to hear yeah, well, Griff, when you said about simplifying the calls, I think I'd like to take that a bit further because they, you know, they did run a fair share of coverages again this game. You know, they even showed like Conjay Biggs coming, Conjay Diggs coming down into the, like the strong hook, like cover three buzz. It looked like you know, or it yeah, may have been a bit of cover one as well going on there, where they wanted him matched up on a tight end rather than a Ryan Neal or Josh Jones. But for me, the real simplification of the calls is that they continued falling into the bare front as their early down base deal, right? Like right. pretty much barring like one or two like first and second downs, they were in their bare front deal. That is after they spent most of the season trying to be in the two, four, five, uh, even front uh, nickel deal, and they just kept getting run on. And as we've said in this previous tape podcast that was frustrating because it wasn't working it probably was more of a Sean Desai thing based off his history in Chicago and sort of what he wanted to do I think her probably got sold on that because you know the idea is that that's more aggressive in the sense that if you're going to get passed you can pass rush better from four man spacing with just four rushes than you can in theory from bare front with five down guys with one dude having to like loop to contain and, and it being a bit more difficult on people, yeah. just the angles and it being a bit clustered up in the middle rather than the even spacing. So yeah, the no, fact I, that they, I agree with you actually, the it's fact like... they lent into bare fronts was, was just so exciting and they actually worked. So, yeah. Um, and so when you, when that becomes your new, like when you, um, recommit to that being like your core your core front your core philosophy whatever you want to say what you do the most of that naturally presents the problem of okay that's great that you're playing fundamentally sound and everything but now because it has a downstream effect for the linebackers and the secondary and stuff even if you're playing the same coverages on the back end 
and with some change-ups, right? Like you, like you mentioned, but then um, that still presents, that kind of puts you back to square one of why you wanted to go into four down in the first place, right? Like, well, it's not the best thing for the spacing for a four-man rush for a multitude or for a couple of reasons. So then you have to, if that's your fastball now, you still have to have off-speed stuff to kind of pick up the the slack for the inherent shortcomings of that and to just keep the offense on their toes. Um, because again, there's the principle of, preventing positive plays from the offense that's like your main job but then you also want to generate negative plays as well for them right you want to have them going backwards so the easiest way to do that is well interceptions but you can't scheme interceptions you really just kind of hope and pray for them but you can you can get sacks going and so it's ironic that in their switch to living in odd fronts they got six sacks on kyler murray and they got six sacks from six different individuals too um so maddie what did you see from the pass rush that was different on a player-to-player basis and do you think any of that was related to actually being more in bear i think it's related more to being in bear in the they were able to get into more third and longs and so when more third and longs happen uh, you get into more passing downs you can, well, a third and long is generally a passing down, right? You can, uh, you know, you can get in your dime calls. You can you can call in your 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 calls like bonus fire zones, which you know I know you'd like to speak to as well. And you can also get into fronts designed to get your Daryl Taylor's one on one, and you can get it. You know they were doing that in on previous games, but there was just nowhere near as many clear passing down, so that is less opportunities. It's less exposure for their, you know, the offense's tackles, as we saw with Seattle themselves trying to protect their tackle, their rookie tackle pairing from pure dropback situations throughout this season. And so, you know, I think again, I come back to, you know, as as uh, Chen and Nuosu said in his post game press conference, you know, stop the run to have some fun. Well, we've heard that before. You have to earn the right to rush the passer, as Clint Hurts phrased it in the past. So the fact that they were able to actually bottle up the run game other than Kyler Murray. And then you come back to the bare fronts and Pete Cowell's history with them back at USC, Vince Young runs all over him um, from like a kind of spread kind of system, the proliferation of the spread in the pack 10, maybe I don't, can't figure out when it turned into the pack 12, but, and mobile quarterbacks in that conference as well. Carol sticks with this bare front, you know, they come back to it in, in Seattle when they face mobile quarterbacks like your Colin Kaepernick's, your Cam Newton's, and then 2020, Clint Hurts, like, not Clint Hurts, sorry, Ken Norton Jr. is like, well, this might be an idea with how we take the defense. I'm sure Clint Hurt probably had a say on that because he was on the staff. Then 2021, they do it even more and they have more variety. Now 2022, after trying this weird experiment, they're back to it. And really, if you think about Arizona, they have that mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray. And they also have the, you know, the presence of, you know, kind of air raid uh, stuff similar to the kind of spread systems that Carol devised it for originally. And so it's kind of the perfect fit in that sense. But for me, the big thing was even in the bare fronts that they were running earlier this year, they were more in the mold of the Vic Fangio inside shoulder of the tackle four yeah. eye technique so ty if, if you get the uh if you get me up on the wide the wide copy here so 
that was called a tight front from Vic Fangio. And that was basically a head up nose tackle and then two four eye techniques. The idea being that they mirror step the tackle from departure and, and, and mirror step there. So this, uh, but by doing that, you're, you're kind of, because you're clouding the gap up, right. And you might, you might win into the C gap or you might stick in your original B gap, the linebacker behind, rather than just playing aggressively downhill, he has to kind of fit off your play a bit more. Um, he has to slow play a bit more. Also, if you're a four eye and you're mirror stepping at the line of scrimmage, your step, your first step is going to be more lateral and not forwards. And you're sort of, because you need to be able to mirror and react to where your tackle goes, right? And so that saw Seattle's line in previous games has been identified by KJ Wright and became a hot topic on Twitter. It's all their D-line, not lining up on the ball, but lining up sort of off the ball as though to give them more time to really read where it was going. And Seattle was doing this with two four-eye techniques. Now, I, what I saw from the tape drift was they went back to what they did last year technique-wise up front, where they played three techniques, even if it was, even if it was a middle field open, they'd play with one three technique on the play. Yeah. And the three technique position is you're on the outside shoulder of the guard. You can smack him back with a six inch power step forwards. And then if you, you know, you're basically one-on-one -on -one cause it's five down. So you're basically one-on-one. -on -one. And then from there you can shed into the backfield. You can play, but you're playing downhill, but it's also a much more obvious keeping off of the guard from the linebacker. And then the linebacker can go and shoot downhill from off that action. You know, the, and Jordan Brooks, this game, was completely alive, scraping and, and getting into yeah. the backfield much more often. Cody Barton, on the brief stuff he did play in, was much more decisive. I've realized I've drawn too many people here. Anyway, so well, this is the nickel front, right, which I've drawn up here. So when they come in nickel, Cody Barton comes off the field. And you've got your safety, Ryan Neal. They played him down to the tight end. Seattle still uses this four-eye technique, but only when it was to a tight end, right? Yeah. So an extra gap. So it's to, to help buy time for the safety. And then, but really, like, that was even, even that looked more aggressive, right? Yeah. It, it just, the way everyone was playing up front was more more aggressive and more decisive. And it made the picture behind for the second level linebackers, Brooks often in the A-gap a lot, lot cleaner. And even when they're in middle field open, the only reason they'd go into a, this mirror stepping kind of more passive uh, four-eye technique, you know, is if there's a quarter safety behind who needs to fit a C-gap, but then how's that any different to having a, a tight end there? It isn't. So it's only basically if there's a tight end there. Yeah. Uh, and they, ran, they were able to run all their middle field open coverages, all their, all their middle field closed base coverages really like fine from this. They even showed some drop eight, which is again, a favorite approach against this kind of offense where they're always releasing so many people downfield to just encourage the check down and rally to it. They did a pretty good job on that, but because of some missed tackles, but you know, Clint Hurt was asked about, you know, the idea of letting defensive linemen play more aggressively. And he said, it's just finding their spots. Okay. And creating more situations for them to be in their spots and do their techniques and things. I let those guys have some fun. There are still other times when they do things within the scheme where they're taking one for the team, so to speak, which I'd say is more talking about the four-eye technique. But again, part of coaching is finding things to help your guys be more successful. That doesn't mean it didn't yeah. happen before, but there are always things that you have to adapt and adjust to within a game plan, which again, referring to Arizona, 
obviously they took ownership of what they needed to get done. They wanted that and they responded the right way, which sounds more like this was a, this was like, you know, is more than just a one game thing to me. Like, and, right. and like, I mean, I'm trusting what I've seen, right. Which is, it seems like a complete change. Um, so kind of going off of that, I was wondering, you know, how, how do you feel this specific personnel kind of applies to this, these changes and uh, how well do you think that they all fit, how all the pieces fit together here for this change? Well, I'll, I'll interject real quick. I feel like part of it might've been Al Woods not being in there, but Brian Mona is just so much better at center. And I feel like part of it is he just, like I said, in the recap, he just reads the game better from there because so much of defensive line play is split split second you know keying reading reading angles of departure from the blockers reading the ball and everything like right off the snap and he was so reactive and everything um i feel like the, the three technique really benefits quentin jefferson the most perhaps just because you know he's he's a smaller defensive tackle you know he's like 290 um and he and that's you know on a tall frame too so he's not the most dense guy for his position so it lets him get vertical upfield he did get in the backfield quite a bit um and then when you have mona playing more gap control oriented on the nose tackle he can kind of fit off of quentin almost um so like quentin breaks the running back's angle and then he, you know mona can scrape back and and do his thing also lets jordan brooks rally to the ball right um so i feel like that just lets them play it, I mean, it lets each player lean into what they do the the best, the most. Um, yeah, good. And, 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 well, like, yeah. On on to your point, it's very relevant. I'm not interrupting you for no reason. Quinton Jefferson, he goes after the game. They just cut us loose. That's less reading and more getting off. Which right. the reading reacting is the mirror stepping. And I feel like the guys we've got it benefits us. We can get off and cause havoc. I'm not really built for reading. I'm built to attack the power stepping three technique stuff you're talking about. So it's yeah. just a fun game. And and so and back to Mona, having a three technique, so like you see the three technique to his side, when that three technique is still B gap player, he's a B gap player, whether he's a four hour or a three, right? But by virtue of him being more on the guard, heavier on the guard, that means when you get like with that picture that Maddie has up there, if you have if you get um zone left to the for the offense's perspective, so zone right to the to the defense's perspective. Um, that means that backside guard is going to stay on the three more. And that ensures that Brian Mona is getting more of a one-on-one. It's harder to get the combos you want, um, at least on, on the backside. On the front side, it can be easier if it's a three technique and harder on you. Um, but so, I mean, I feel like we saw more of Mona playing more one-on-one. He didn't have as much du- doubles on him. And that just meant he was dominating a center. And it's, you know, a 350-pound nose tackle on a center um, the average center weighs a lot less than the average guard. So he's just decimating guys. Um, and, yeah. and that was pretty relevant. Cause, yeah. cause what was happening in the past when they were even running this two, four, I type front for when they were middle field closed in bear, but they're also, their main call was tight. Will six, which was, um, only used to 21 personnel. And that basically is quarters to the, to the tight end and, and cover two away. Now, Seattle, when they ran that, this game, they and because it's against the shotgun, it is a bit different sometimes. And the Cardinals are predominantly a shot a shotgun team, but they still had one three technique. And so what was happening in the past when they had two four eyes, two mirror stepping, 
two reading reacting dudes was like Griffin said on on just basic zone even you'd have this three technique um be a four eye and and the the, the nose would get comboed and moved out of the place whereas now Mona is basically one on one with the center and he's able to almost be an extra player because he can knock back the center, win to the backside A gap, and on some plays he can even run through. Like that's how his best plays came. Even Puna Ford was able to play the nose in past years because of that, because of how the three technique yeah. keeps the guard off people. And that's why, like, when you're playing with two, four eyes, reading and reacting, then the nose kind of has to read and react more as well. And that's just a different technique and a, and a different thing. And so, this when I saw this, I was like, oh my word, it's the same. It's the same yeah. what they've done, and it's working. Like, and they're and... actually able to shoot. And it made much more sense when Pete Carroll said, you know, we've changed a couple of things. So I was like, well, yeah, you've you've played bare fronts more, but um, what's the other thing? And it's oh, we're just gonna do it like twenty twenty one, where or like when Pete Carroll was at USC back in two thousand six. <laughs> right, right. And I feel like the, that same principle of having one on ones that also for the run defense that translated directly also into their pass rush plan because they had those games and twists up front. You're kind of forcing man protection, especially against an offense. This is a huge part of it. An offense that only protects with five. Most of the time they're releasing their running back and their tight ends. They're not even chipping with them most of the time. So when you're doing that, I mean, they're just exploiting their, your, you've got five on the line. So you kind of have to just play man protection. You're not sliding as much. Um, and so then that, that's why we, Puna Ford was, was springing into the, uh, what was, uh, springing into the backfield because, you know, you, you stunt the a gap with the, the near three technique, the nose tackle rolls over or it's vice versa. Um, but then also because you're, you're forcing man protection, that means your best interior pass rushers, Quentin Jefferson and Shelby Harris, they have a three-way go. So when, when, when they have their one-on-ones, they can work to the inside if they want, and they know the, the center is not going to slide to them. So it's, it's, it's Clint Hurts saying, and this is where Clint Hurts in his bag, right? So it's him saying, it, it's him saying like, yeah, this is to the detriment of the edge rushers, as in having two edge rushers that can fly off the edge. But this is what is working to our advantage. It's, it's the numbers and how we can influence the protection and then the skill sets that we do have. Puna Ford isn't going to just win the B gap just by killing the guard with the speed rip. He's it's not what he's going to do, but he still has quickness. He still has some bend to him for a big guy. So you use the numbers to your advantage. You use you spacing to your advantage, but you can still get those traits and accentuate them. So you have him coming around on a loop off of a stunt. And now you see those traits traits flash and he got into the backfield a couple of times so they're not going to get six sacks every week but like this gives them the benefit of spending this much time in bear means that they're going to get really good at the ways that you can use bear to your advantage it's kind of like you become really good at what you do a lot of even if what you do a lot of inherently has drawbacks to it um you kind of shore up its own weaknesses this is how they're going to do it um there, there are other things going on with the edges they did, kind of who they decided to drop and win and stuff that was part of it too because Nwosu and Taylor did have good games. Um, it's mm. just that while they had good games, you didn't have both of them flying off the ball at the same time always, but um, at least early downs. So could but, you get into that a little bit more, uh, like with the, the guys that were dropping, who was rushing, all that? Um, so, I mean, so part of it was this bonus fire zone that we keep talking about. 
Um, and, and Maddie, you probably might want to draw that up, but in addition to that real quick, I'll, I'll say, um, so like usually, um, usually you can tell in a three, four, if you're, if you're assuming a four man rush, which is the standard mode of rushing, right? The standard rush count, like 75% of the snaps are usually going to be a four man rush. Um, if you've got, if you're in, in nickel, for example, and the team's playing a three, four front. Now that it's nickels, now three, three, five front, right? It kind of looks like a five, one. You're going to assume that the, um, that the, uh, the linebacker that's rushing is going to be the linebacker that is to the side of the nickel because you, the way the spacing works out, it would be difficult to drop both of them into coverage. So that means if they know who's rushing, that means they know who's dropping. So Seattle, toyed with that and they had a couple of snaps where the linebacker to the nickel side which was usually the to the field to the passing strength they also dropped him so they're willing to drop Uchana Nwosu and Daryl Taylor if it's cover three into a hook from from the line of scrimmage they're dropping him deep into the hook um, um, and that's a hard drop but the way that they spaced it, it it's almost it's very similar to the spacing of the spacing you get with bonus fire zones, which Maddie's going to explain. Um, but I think that was really useful. Well, so one, because you're assuming that linebacker is going to be rushing, that means if they are sliding, they're going to slide to the field. That means Daryl Taylor on the opposite side is going to ensure a one-on-one that he's not going to be slid to. That means you can ensure that he's getting a clean one-on-one look. Part of his problem this year is that he's been getting chipped a lot. So, um, or straight up rushing into six man protection. And he's a guy that needs angles and space on the perimeter. And, um, I think some of his early down rushes that were successful were because he was rushing on the man side of the protection, the weak side of it. Um, yeah. Anyway. Ty, to, before we, we get into the other stuff, you mentioned about the personnel. Well, to me, when I was writing my article explaining like how his history of bare fronts and how I thought Clint Hurt would go, you know, you know, continue what was working. I was like excited because it seemed like they finally actually really had the personnel to do it. Cause you know, Griffin speaking about the drops and how they did a great job this game sort of varying up which outside linebacker was dropping. It was more of kind of like the Boye Mafe and Nuosu in on either edge, which where they really got that kind of versatility going and they could pretty much get into any of their coverages. But last year, right, when they had it, it was with 4-3 personnel. And that doesn't matter, but it does, because when you've got Carlos Dunlap out there, dropping Carlos Dunlap, one, it looked ridiculous. It drew the ire of some fans, even though it did work sometimes. But also, two, when it was 4-3, it was always, if Carlos Dunlap, I I could tell you this, Carlos Dunlap was called the Leo. If Carlos Dunlap, for spacing purposes, if he was to the field, it was cover three. If he was to the boundary, it was cover two. And if I can tell that, then obviously other teams can. So it becomes a bit bait and you sort of have to fire zone, send some pressure to mix it up. But at the end of the day, you've only got so much uh, flexibility. This year, I was like, well, they finally actually got the three, four kind of personnel to run it because you've got Taylor who can drop. He's slimmed up. You don't want him to necessarily, but he can drop. Nwosu can drop. Mafe can drop. You have actual three, four outside linebackers, you have more of them. Last year, I think what scuppered them a bit was uh, the Olden Smith move not panning out. And I said that was a bigger loss at the time. 
now than people may have realized. So now they've actually got the personnel to do it and <laughs> they're actually doing it. Um, whereas at the start of the season, they were running this kind of even front deal where they didn't have the personnel. They didn't have those big edge rushes as me and Griffin spoke about. They didn't have the... I mean, no one has a boast of other than 49ers and Chargers, right? But <laughs> they didn't have like, a, you know, one of those weird kind of San Francisco 49ers defensive ends that they always seem to get where they can set an edge in an even front and yet play light in the box and, and play too high and all that stuff. Yeah. They didn't have that and yet they're still trying to do it. Also, the D-line playing the heavy techniques up front, like the heavy two-eye or the, the heavy three technique, like outside shoulder or inside shoulder of the guard, they were really struggling. And the linebacker group of Brooks and, and Brooks and uh, Barton, they were struggling to fit off that. It was all just muddy. The spacing was wrong. The relationship was wrong. They It was clearly too radical a move for them. There's, there's a number of issues that have come up there, right? Whereas right. this bear thing just works, right? It just works. It stops the run. And then off that, they're able to defend the pass. They were all right. Now, the Cardinals had a few weird execution things where they looked a bit dodgy. And, um, yeah. Now, the, now par parting down-wise, to transition back to that, I guess, once you've got them in the third and longs, you can do even more cool stuff. So, the, the bonus fire zone, right? Where, right? where it's... Basically, what's a bonus fire zone? Well... You only rush four, right? Uh, but you are replacing one of the conventional rushes, right, with a with a non-conventional rusher, so like a second-level defender. But the difference, you may think, you may have heard that called a simulated pressure or even like a creeper. A creeper, it, yeah. It's, it's not that because rather than everyone playing normal zone coverage behind it, which you would do on those two plays, you play fire zone coverage, so you tighter coverage, so three deep, three under most of the time where seam curl flat, middle hook, seam curl flat, or hot to two, hot to three, hot to two. And then the extra, the dropper from the line of scrimmage, he is an, like an extra defender. And so to trips, you'd usually drop him to trips. And he's called a bonus hook. And what that allows you to do is, if I'm the seam curl flat defender to the bonus hook player, I can really cheat to the seam because I know that my flat has got a bonus hook in it. I can really cheat my coverage. So it alleviates the stress of conventional fire zone beaters. The other idea is that you have um, got the, the player you're sending, the fourth rusher from the second level, he is usually on the back because of the way you've got the protection to slide um, because of how you've dressed it up. Which is a you know a winnable matchup rather than you know if you're blitzing Jordan Brooks against the guard that's a bit different to getting him on a running back, right? And so, but the the other aspect for why I think the coverage spacing of this was so important was one if they keep the running back in in the protection great, but the Cardinals so frequently will release him to the flat quickly, so you get three strong and four strong quickly. The 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 spacing of of a bonus fire zone which you're about to draw up really just looks like a super flooded cover three uh with seven in coverage um so you're able to you're able to be aggressive like you said maddie matching the main pattern but then you've got the spacing that is conducive toward also covering the check down so you can defend all three levels um at the expense of a regular four-man rush but again because you are sending that second level rusher you at least have the element of surprise so you got any's coming usually 
you know, on the opposite of the slide, like you said. So he's either going to find the running back, which defends the running back, or that running back releases, and he might squirt through the B gap um, untouched. So because it's the weak side of the protection. So it's just, it's a really, it solves a lot of problems for them. Um, and, and, and like the, the other aspect of this, it's when, when it's to trips, which it often was, you're, you're still having your linebacker carry that number three receiver. And the Cardinals were putting Zach Ertz or who is a good talented receiver, if not super fast, right? He's a tight end, but he's a receiver, right? Or you're putting Rondale Moore on the line of scrimmage, meaning, meaning like he's literally even with the even with the ball, even with the center, of the offensive line. This only works if Jordan Brooks can cover that route, and they threw that route at him all game long, and in in this bonus fire zone look and the spacing where they were playing with dropping, you know, the 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 strong outside linebacker when normally he'd rush him. Um, and he, and he was taking that route up and back all, all game long and, and stuff like that. And, and that's, that's just kind of like it happens so frequently, you almost take it for granted. But like everything falls apart if you can't do that, you know. Um, anyway. Yeah. So like, for instance, Ryan, so let's sack. turn back to you, Maddie. Oh, yeah. 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 Let's, it's not really a U-turn, though, is it? This is uh, old wounds. It was very upsetting last week. Remember legal U-turns only. Hashtag legal U-turns only. We're a big fan of legal U-turns on the podcast. Um, All right. So Ryan Neal's first sack, or only sack of the game, but it was the same concept, which Jamal Adams unfortunately got hurt on against Russell Wilson. And, you know, again, like Griffin's saying, five-man protection situations, this is where you can really mess with it because... What they did was they they showed uh, Neil in the A-gap with, with Jordan Brooks. Then they backed him out as though he was stacking it. To the Cardinals, they're seen as though, you know, well, what that does is it gets man protection. So they've only got five. So they're like, okay, we're going to throw hot basically off Ryan Neal. But everyone else, okay, tackle block the end. Guard block the tackle. Center block Brooks. Uh, guard block the tackle. Tackle block the end. And we'll throw hot off Ryan Neal in, in a dime situation. Well, it might not have been dime. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And so they see the, the, the three receiver, which I think was Ertz. It might have actually just been Rondell Moore, you know. Anyway, they see he's uncapped. So they're like, okay, well, that's where we'll throw if we get pressure, right? Uh, but it's also probably where we should throw anyway because there's no one over him. But then what Seattle does is they back Brooks out and he gets under it, like Griffin said. But they also back this end out. The, and to the trip side and he's able to get under and alleviate the stress like we're talking about that is a very odd drawing <laughs> um and so brooks backs out like this he caps it takes three up it basically plays out like cover one even though it's technically like cover three but yeah. with the bonus hook a cover three fire zone and then they slant into a bear thing where the crucial the crucial element is the tackle Steps down. That gets the guard who's in man on the three technique to to step down with it. And here comes Ryan Neal, who's been hiding behind Brooks. Through the gaping B-gap for the sack of Murray. And it's a big-time sack to get off the field. And it's how they... And, you know, it's how it messes with... Guys, you're only rushing four, but you're playing really tight coverage where the stress point is alleviated somewhat by the 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 fourth guy you're dropping rather yeah. than just playing zone where, you know, 
one, do you really want a, a pass rusher playing like in a pure zone? Probably not, right? He's he's got like pretty much no job other than just getting underneath stuff. Right. And then two, everyone else is allowed to play tighter. And so yeah. there you go. Um we can take this opportunity to discuss like how in these calls how how good Kobe Bryant was at the zone aspects of because like he you're you're trying to get him to match guys right match the scene kind of play a man technique within zone like that's the whole part of the whole premise here but what did he do when his number two like went underneath or something so like we saw him play his rules of like well you zone off and you look to sail from number three there there was a, a play where Jordan Brooks is carrying three but then he starts to he starts to break outward. So Brooks zones off and looks for work. And then, but Kobe Bryant, his number two went underneath, went underneath to that bonus hook player that we're talking about, right? I think it was Maffe or Maffe. And then, so then Kobe Bryant gains depth and he gets under, and it's just like a perfectly zone matched, perfect pattern matching from the defense. And, and that, that principle of everybody playing their rules really well was, was apparent in every call they were in. Um, you know, cover two, cover six, cover eight. There was cover four. I had I had one bust where Neil ended up on the same side as Kobe Bryant and Brooks managed to cover yeah. up a bit. But yeah, other than that, way less mistakes. And that's why you have only six explosive plays where some of them were really kind of on a play caller, like early rust. Yeah, yeah. Um there was that one play, that scissors play to the cover two side where Neil got turned around and he realized it, it was too yeah, it was just a good beater. Now so I was going to say Cliff always has specific beaters. Even when you're dominating him, he still does stuff that breaks your structure, even if the results aren't there. Like back to the... Um, Colt McCoy. Yeah, well, we don't talk about that game. Uh, but back to the... Uh, like back to when they were in Bear, it was like well, he had a good plan for it. Because um, like they, they put Kobe Bryant to the field, right? To the passing strength. They're playing half quarter, quarter usually, or sometimes just straight cover two, depending on the formation. Uh, but it looks like a five-one box, right? Kobe Bryant isn't in the isn't in the um, the fit. But if he's to the passing strength, what do you do if you motion that slot over to what was originally the weak side, and now it becomes a passing strength? They're not they're not they don't have time to to switch Bobby and Kobe. So Brooks Brooks bumps over. He's now the C gap or D gap player, and he's now p- part of the main part of the coverage to the trips. Now, Kobe Bryant is your A-gap player, all 200 pounds of him. He's now essentially your linebacker. And so Cliff did a good job of, of manipulating them formationally by getting him into the fit. So there's just little stuff like that going on. So he had good ideas. They just didn't work. Part of the reason why they didn't work was because everyone in the middle was just beating the crap out of their offensive line. Um, so that that's kind of like you can you can sacrifice here and there if you can pick up the slack here and there and that's what they were doing this game and 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 to ty's point as well about you know personnel again like and you saying about them beating the crap out of them like the interior d line they have a real rotation like we were bullish on that uh, in the in the off season because we were like well we obviously fits so, like you've got your shelby harris you've got your puna ford you've got your Al woods when he's healthy you've got miles adams who comes in and lo and behold now he's playing more three technique power stepping looks way more comfortable because he's one-on-one and has an unbelievable play on the backside of uh, guard tackle counter where he scrapes yeah. across and across and ends up making the tackle. Um, should also note that Seattle, when when they're in this, uh, the bear deal, to pair tight ends, so. 
that's a pair. So two tight ends to one side. They they bumped that side of the thing into under. So yeah. rather than a head up nose tackle, they have a one tech and then they have a uh, so a shaded nose tackle and then a five technique to that side. So on the outside in shoulder. In the C gap, yeah. Yeah, in the C gap. And 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 that places Puna Ford kind of in like the it's it's an easy way of describing it, but in the Red Bryant kind of role or you know, when Seattle used to play under what Red Bryant did. And Puna Ford's really good in that as well. It's still it's still power stepping, attacking. It's just attacking the tackle to prevent C gap issues that can arise from that and counter stuff. Right. Um, but back to what I was saying, you know that they Monet, you know he he's really he can play some three tech if needed. But like they have like what six deep interior defensive line. Mm-hmm. Quinton Jefferson, I forgot about him. Yeah, so they have they have like six deep interior defensive line, who who are all really good yeah. at playing in this like more attacking style yeah. and and you know it, I, i'm just glad they've gone back to it <laughs> yeah i i'd i'd love to know uh the internal discussions it's yeah been interesting. yeah and one more thing i think we should talk about the defense so like yeah you got your base calls but then you know is it aggressive enough you have to infuse some aggression in there to your early downs you know last year that meant bleeding that third down package that they had into their early downs and it was working for them before jamal got hurt and they had to scrap it and they just went back to being sound but not necessarily aggressive so what they're leaning on this year really is when they go into cover three they've made cover three inherently more aggressive by playing rip liz so you're carrying two seams instead of one the problem early on was that it was so hit and miss this game they were just really good at playing rip liz on early downs um where it's just cover three matched two by two receivers. Um, it was just, it was either Josh Jones was down or Neil was down covering, carrying that seam. And then Kobe Bryant probably had his best game of the, of the, of the season um, carrying guys. He, he lost some guys a little bit on inbreakers and like he doesn't have as much hook help because the linebackers are hugging the running back, which worked though, because like they defended the check down. That was the whole point of this. But for the most part, like Kobe Bryant was covering corner routes well. He did play some inbreakers well um and it's like this this whole thing this is their whole theory kind of coming together at least coverage wise um maddie what did you see though from them in cover three though yeah yeah same stuff um much much better there's a few things which can be brushed up that you mentioned the not cover three but you mentioned the scissors combination which got a i mean it's a good beta but you know, with a bit of refinement, they they can play that better, and I'm sure they'll see it again now that it's been on tape against them. And then and, Brooks sort of, there was one play where I, I suspect a certain company may have graded him negatively on it, where uh, he didn't need to push over with with root. There was a route behind him; he needed to get a bit more depth in the yeah. field open. Yeah. Where you know it is on him, like and it's, yeah. to call it an outright bust is. A, probably a bit unfair but he shouldn't have he just played overplayed it, it but um i was surprised and and, and the thing is like he, he had some amazing drops in middle field open stuff and and but the point of raising that is not to bash brooks but the coverage is definitely getting there there's it's de- there's no doubt about it but they can be better and they will get better still mm-hmm. and so when you tie in that with the fact that they're stopping the run better and they've actually gone back to what they're good at and what their personnel is good at and designed to be good at then how can this defense get not keep improving right but how can it like get excited i mean especially especially with the playmaking of of tariq woolen and 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 everybody else i mean like 
I don't know what their ceiling is, but it feels like, you know, they could put together a stretch where they start knocking on the door at top 10. Like they have that capability in them. I don't know if they're going to be there and then for how long, knock on wood. Um, but you know what? This is what happens when you U-turn. So we'll see if they keep it up. We're going to U-turn over to the offense now. Unless, Maddie, tell you guys had any last thoughts. I'm going to turn you over. No, no, that was a beautiful segue, Griff. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk offense. Oh, oh, it's, now it's a beautiful segue to say let's U-turn. Because when I tried to say it about Michael Dixon, no, no, Matty, no well, moving on. Well, no, no, well, no. Well, nah, Matty, nah, this was this nah. was Griff and I's thing. You yeah. you didn't want to be a part of the U-turn thing. No, on Sunday, and I don't. So. I don't like well, U-turns. I'm living in Britain. Have you seen what's going on with our politics? With I don't like U-turns. You're getting really angry right now. Are you okay? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Are you are you having a moment here? I didn't you know you a, were so sensitive about U-turns. Do you need a? Do you I'm need really to step sensitive. off camera for for? <laughs> for you, whoa, 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 hold on. You guys don't do U-turns over there though, because you guys have roundabouts, right? You. Exactly. No, roundabouts are great. I'm not talking around roundabouts. In fact, you we should have way more some, roundabouts. We installed a couple more in our town, and accidents went way down. Well, that's great. I'm I'm really glad. Yeah. It would be a shame if you had an accident. <laughs> is that a is that a threat, Maddie? <laughs> that is very uh, very sincere concern for my safety. I'm from like how how far away am I? Is it six thousand miles? From 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 Washington. From, I have no from idea. Griffin's accident, which may not happen. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, um, not a boy. That took a U-turn. Um, Terms of service. Excuse me. <laughs> Ty, Ty. Uh, yes. What did we not cover with the offense before we uh, complete this U-turn? You know, I've, I'm looking over my shoulder. Uh, I've got my uh, my tan signal, my my indicator on. Um, what did you what did you guys not cover with the defense i think you covered everything with the defense uh i was going to ask you guys about the corners but griff started talking about that so yeah i i, I don't have anything comprehensive. i i, I apologize right. but i don't have anything for you on that front so offense 19 points um one touchdown mm. four field goals though so i mean they got they actually put together some drives they just couldn't finish in the red zone it still wasn't their best day outside of the red zone though um uh the general impressions i mean gino didn't have his best game he was under fire he had some clutch moments which is kind of like the inverse of past games where people thought he did well but then wasn't clutch when it was needed which i think clutch is a weird word but i think that applies for this game um i think that they the four-man rush beat the offensive line i don't think the offensive line had its best game they weren't horrific or anything like that it just wasn't their best game and then also the pressure packages. I mean, that really put the heat on them. Um, and then there are just moments where I thought Arizona defended the receivers pretty well, like in one-on-one situations. And there's just some really tightly contested things. Like they, they caught some of them. And then some of them they just couldn't quite bring in. Like Fant had a ball that was broken up. DK had a ball that was broken up. They both could have caught it each. But then other the other main thing that really kind of dictated this game was that they took they schemed um, DK and Tyler out of the game with their coverage shells, um, which you know every time that happens, it's kind of like can Seattle respond and right in the passing game at least, and that has not quite materialized yet. Although you know Eskridge's role grows, Goodwin's getting open uh, on some downfield opportunities where the ball goes elsewhere. 
heck, even, you know, Disley's open. I mean, he probably wouldn't have been if Gino had looked that side, but he's open in the back of the end zone against cover two, where you're like, oh, it's interesting. So it's sort of how do they balance, you know, obviously looking for those star two receivers with, you know, okay, Arizona's doing a great game plan of like, you know, rolling and you know, Tampa two invert and or just Tampa two and cover four and all of that. Yeah. You know, putting one more guy over to the locket and the DK stuff, playing now, some nasty trail and all that stuff. Now it's it's not as though the opportunities weren't quite there. So mm. like they they I mean they had they had I think ten targets between the two of them, which is nothing crazy. Right. Um, but I think they only had four completions and some of those were like, you know, to end the first half just vomiting phase or seams, just trying to get a touchdown and also preserve the clock, right? So they're I hate kind of it when I vomit fade and seam. I know. Um uh something you might want to get checked out. Um mm. just like the Seahawks want to get that checked out because they want to score <laughs> they want to score touchdowns. So like, but then you also had the deep bomb to Tyler, right? And you're not gonna complete every single post, you know, you're not even gonna complete 50% of them off of play action. And they were a few they were a foot away or two of completing it. Um, so like th- there were options, they had, they had chances. They just didn't quite bring them down. Like the, the one dropped sluggo t- t- not dropped, it was overthrown, yeah. but it was a weird, it played out oddly, but it was still completable. So like they could have c- came away from this game with still executing in spite of what Arizona is doing schematically. But, um, one other, other thing I want to say about this, like Maddie, you said, how do they respond when, when they can't get the ball to DK and Tyler, um, I was listening to the Cigar Thoughts podcast with uh, Jackson Bevins and uh, Mike Barwin, our pals over there. And, this guy, Mike. And yeah, and um, and Jackson made a good point. He said while they were four, I think four for 10 versus their top two receivers, they were like something like 19 for 22 to everybody else. So like Gino was still distributing and getting the ball and stuff. It's just, you know, the yak opportunities weren't quite there or – Big plays. The big like plays weren't. Yeah. They were defending them. And the other thing was, back to my point about the pass rush, like all their drop back was quick game. Like they're just trying to get the ball out. They're trying to beat this. And I didn't think their four-man rush was that formidable. And yeah, you had J.J. Watt, but he's kind of washed. He's an okay player still. But I mean, I like, thought this was J.J.'s one good game of the year. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, he did have one. a good game. I mean, but it's really yeah. concerning when Majay Sanders, who <laughs> I did not like during the draft process because I thought he was – too light he's bull rushing yeah well, griff Cross. griff he was like good. really ill that's true no that's true actually but i mean he was playing <laughs> ill yeah um um but uh if we just go through those like the four failed uh red zone trips and you've sort of talked about some of the plays but just as i rattle it off so first time first and 10 do you know mishandles under to snap has the scramble for three yards second and seven incomplete sluggo as you've talked about which was kind of there but not really third and seven that play i'd love to hear from you about because i thought like so they shift across locket it looks pretty obviously like cover four but the way that they play certain things is rather than like zoning off they play like a trail kind of thing and it's it's wide cross but locket's running the out route with like a runoff route outside and i feel like gino could have pulled the trigger and picked up a first down there do you remember that play I'm. What, what quarter was it? The oh, really team? early. A, a timestamp for you is four thirty-six. And you if said it you... was like a, a four and thirty-seven, or a, um, a second third and, and seven. seven. Third and seven. 
Uh, and while you look that up, third and two, uh, next time in, in the red zone, Walker runs into the back of Fant on split zone for a loss of two. I think Noah Fant was late getting off, really. Uh, he, he was late off the ball. Uh, then next trip, first and 14s, they've got no timeouts. They go empty and they go five verts, which is covered up by Tampa 2, which happened. Uh, second and 14, they have nine seconds left in the game. They try a Metcalf one-on-one in, well, Metcalf backside of trips play, which is still into cover four and the corner just wins, but it's also difficult, right? Then yeah. they kick a field goal. Then the net, the final one, first and 10, Walker pressing split zone and he presses it wrong. He tries to bounce it. He's too slow to hit the hole. And that's something that Ken Walker needs to work on. Like he is still trying to make too much happen at times. He just, just hit it. Cause if he hits that, it's like three, five yards, even like the crease yeah. is there. He just got to hit it. Um, rather than he tries to bounce it front side, which was not there. It looks like it's there. Like and in college football, it might be, but in the NFL, it's not there. And it wasn't indeed. And then he had yeah. to cut it up and he only got one yard. Then the second and nine, they had a, a play action with a throwback to lock it, which was open, but unfortunately, and we're getting more to Ken Walker stuff. Um, and he had a great game, right? But also, you know, there's finer details where it's need to work. They had a throwback to lock it wide open where they're booting the other way. But uh, Gino was pressured from the inside and he had to dump it to the flat for two yards. Now, the reason he was pressured was Disley was on an island with the front side edge rusher and he he could had no choice but to allow inside penetration. They released Fant on a route who was the tight end inside of Disley. And so yeah. Disley had to allow that penetration. Gino was able to roll away from it, so it's fine to get beat to the inside. But the reason uh, Disley was up against the frontside edge player was because they were pushing their protection to the backside edge because they didn't trust Ken Walker one-on-one in that assignment, even with bootleg away. Yeah. They pushed their protection. And so Gino, rather than being able to throw to the open locket on the on the, on the the throwback crossing route, he dumps it into the flats and Fant for two yards. So now you're in third and seven. And Seattle's concept uh, of trips to the front side doesn't work. Slant route's covered, um, but the primary thing they're going for was the corner route. The cover four corner didn't take the cheese. In third and seven in the red zone, you're very unlikely to convert. You need um, a bit of luck um, and you need an opportunity. And there was no opportunity to the front side. Backside, this is open in cover two, which I spoke about. But if Gino had opened that way, he would not have been open because the cornerback sinks under it with their eyes to the quarterback. And there you go. So yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. But really, it's like shoddy execution at bad moments where, you know, they didn't maximize the opportunities and the Cardinals just played better in those instances. I mean, I I really felt like they just got collectively outplayed. Um, And like the the scheme was sound for them because it gives them the best chance to cover them, to cover those guys. And at the same time, like Seattle also had good process attacking the scheme at the same time, I think, because again, they had opportunities, but it was just a matter of, Cardinals putting themselves in the best positions to have a good chance. And, you know, the as chance had it, it worked out for them. On that third and seven you were talking about, yeah, Tyler was open. And if you think about it, it's third and seven. You could pick up a first down there if you can catch and run up field. But he had the mic kind of encroaching a little bit. And I think he was thinking touchdown to Colby. Um, you see him transition there and work the pocket, but mm. Cameron Thomas is bull rushing Lucas so badly. I don't think he could. But have he's just got to take the first down. You know, I know he's trying to hit the touchdown. Yeah, that... he, he's thinking touchdown is what he's thinking, um, and that's what happens. He's, uh, but like to me, if he if the pressure's not there, that Mike sinks under that that route from Colby easily because it's it's cover four. Like that's his job. Like to me, the Mike lets but Colby see, behind him because. But... 
because I got the play up right now though. He's hugging the he's hugging the back. He's hugging the check down. And it's I think it's Simmons that's kind of more really carrying the route. But you mm. still I still think Oh Gino yeah, yeah, that's yes, that over. yeah, Sim yeah. I, I remember now. They were ruling. But so so but to your point, if 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 Simmons isn't seeing pressure in the backfield, he probably drops differently. That's, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. I don't yeah, understand okay. why he just just stick your foot. Because he could throw that to lock it, right? The defender's back is turned. Like I feel like the lock and he it throws out those all throw. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what was. That's part of what was good. So, yeah. I mean, hopefully that. I mean, it'd be silly to overly be concerned about one play. Um, I did actually think Gino was a bit like pressing, um, or maybe it was overly cautious. But at times, pressing times overly cautious in this game. On like we're literally talking about a handful of plays here, like probably like three, four plays. But did you see that, or am I? No, I, I, I totally agree with you, and I think part of that was frust- frustration that he wasn't moving the ball the way he wanted to. But then also, it's kind of impressive that he was kind of maintaining his composure through how much fire he was under in the pocket. I mean, some of it was rough. Like even on some of his best plays, he's getting hit. Um, he's just getting beat up, and he's not he's not letting that affect him too much. There were a couple of times where kind of like in the Saints game, even though he was awesome in the Saints game, where Lucas has an early loss, and then that affects how he works the pocket when Lucas is getting bull rushed, but then he doesn't know if Lucas is going to stake or not. Sure enough, he anchors on a couple of them. It's like, oh, they missed an opportunity. He could have gone downfield with something, Um, and it wasn't quite there. But, I mean, I think the fact that he's – it's not good to press because that implies you're forcing something, but it's good that – in order to press, you have to stick with it at the same time. The fact that he's sticking with it with all that happening. In fact, that probably explains why that thought process and mentality not to project our own fan fiction onto it too much is why, yeah, is why he was able to do well when they had, when they had to on those, a couple of those drives on that drive to end the first half to put them in score a touchdown. But he was moving the ball in the drop back game. Right. And they got, three points and then on the touchdown drive with walkers you know um his canter um on the touchdown not, run. it was not a canter we're talking about the move not the... we actually had an equestrian no, expert comment they were not on it no that is a lie you're you're very loose with the once, truth once again we are um we're, we're outsourcing not... this to the equestrian wing of our audience mm-hmm. please let us know what that move was but but so anyway so like uh, when also good adjustments from Waldron, they go to, they go heavy personnel, uh, thirteen personnel, some some snaps of twenty two, um, two backs, two tight ends, or one back, three tight ends. Um, they're moving the ball with play action almost at will, and you wonder like ah, they should have spent more time with that in the more, first half. There was no gun play action in this game, which was like, well, there was like two in a hurry up situation, which was not really play action at all. And also, like, where was the dig routes? Like, there was so much middle field open. The one time they called dead, like, uh, coin or Swiss, you know, three hitch, uh, one uh, one dig, two down the seam. One time they called that, they got cover three, and it went. They were looking backside, and what? Like, why not do a bit more of that? Like, they're they're playing this stupid. They need to run invert. it. I think they need to run it from tighter splits when they go into drop back for it. Because the, the I feel like the league is adjusting too much to the inbreakers right now. The linebackers land. Well, that's what made right that's now. what made it so nasty from McVeigh, right? He did it from trips. Yeah, and I and it's because they want to impose the threat of the go ball with DK on the perimeter. So the spacing of their formations 
challenge their ability to work the middle the way they've been working them. But what's open then are the seam routes and they've been hitting the seam routes. But I, I feel like in order to hit dig routes from these formations, you need an absolute monster dig route runner like Brandon Cooks um, oh. or Elijah Moore. Um, I have faith. I, kn- I knew you were bringing them up at some I, point. Well, um, well, Tyler Lockett, is, um, he missed his second day of practice today with a hamstring. Yeah, yeah. And, and Lockett can run those. It's just – it's. You know, the, the minutiae matters. The, 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 I feel like they just need to run those from a little bit tighter splits. Um, uh, shit, what was I going to say? Um, but uh, yeah, so the heavy personnel work, they're moving the ball. Um, one thing I want to say, though, and on the on the topic of balance, which you were talking about with no gunplay action, because granted, they don't gun run a lot. But so even when they go empty three by two and like they're still imposing balance on the defense by those stick draw QB RPOs. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's incredible that even when they're in gun, they're like, we are still going to intermix what we can do here. And that's when we see Gino taking off out of empty, right? No running back in the backfield. And he takes off. He's reading the mic. If the mic squ- fucks off and squeezes that stick really hard, Gino's just going to take it up the middle. It's like, all right, I'm the running back. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm the run part of this RPO. Um, and that's been really effective for them. Um, it's just cool that they are every formation that they work out of, they have an answer where they could do multiple things out of it, and defenses can't nail down your tendency. Um, yeah, so, so far they they've managed counter punch. Yeah, so so far they seem to have managed to avoid a bit of um, you know, tendencies tells. So hope that continues. Ty, what did uh, you want to know about the offense? Um, what the hell is going on with the, the running backs, uh, going the wrong way and all this, what are you saying? Well, is I it just as simple as just like guys are just going the wrong way? Yeah. And that's yeah it? It's literally yeah. that simple. Yeah. It's, it's literally like just that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, that, and, like that's something that I've noticed. I feel like every single week, at least once or twice mm, every single week. And that's yeah. like, it's stalling drives. Like it's literally killing drives for them. Yep. Yep. No. Yeah. It's, it's that simple though. Um, Lewis, Lewis, uh, Terms of like the pass pro, like the, the rookie tackles were had like up and down games, but they really kind of it just showed why it was exposing them to true drop back situations um a lot, you know, eventually they'll get beat, you know, like any tackle, yeah, but their inexperience will contribute. Now, Lewis playing on the left side of the line, a, a left guard, that um chemistry with Charles Cross is is slightly less uh was less present in this game like against inside moves and text tackle and exchange oh, yeah. stunts yeah. maybe because of how much different fronts that arizona was showed in this game like you uh-huh. know they have the double a gap they have their like five down that you know they have the four, four down like over g look like maybe yeah. it's just so much of that but that was kind of off and, may, and maybe because you know they've had they've been shuffling around a slight yeah. haven't they and Shane Waldron mentioned that they they had a lot of different combinations of of personnel and fronts and stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, they do a lot of things with their pressure packages themselves, but the actual like Jimmy and Joe's the like things, who, yeah, yeah, um, and maybe like you know that that threw them off as far as what they're expecting. Um, as far as one on one blocking goes, I think the interior blocked pretty well. It, when they had clear one on ones, it was just communications on on the movement stuff that you talked about um but yeah um 
actually, I don't think Cross did that poorly outside of that one sack no. from Maje Sanders. Um, but Lucas, I mean, he was getting not ragdolled, but he was getting moved. Like those slow, those slow building bull rushes were getting him more than you'd want. So, so you could you could sort of work with that. Like I felt Gino could have you know gone I a agree. bit deep in the pocket at times. It was just there was just a bit off, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. so so you're not concerned like long term about any of this, right? Or or do you think you know if we see it in a, like next game, then you're like, oh, no, because we we've seen them scraping their ceiling. We, I mean, we've seen the range. The, I mean, the floor, like the floor is not good, but the floor is not that low. And well, imagine the if this is, is their high. floor. Right, I think this is their floor. I think right. this game. I think this game is more their floor than the 49ers game. And, and how the many times did they turn is... the ball over? Right, should right. have probably been one. Like that, the 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 Gino trying to thread that in. Like he decided yeah. to throw the ball with the backers um, back turned, but should have been a pick. Wasn't mm-hmm. so. That matters. All right, yeah. so here's here's what I want to know about the is how you know after a bad game, they're going to U-turn. Respond, in Los Angeles. Like, respond. In Los Angeles. Can they can they turn Segway. around? Yes. Can they come full circle round a roundabout? Um yeah. well, Los Angeles, the city of lights. Um <laughs> the <laughs> the the spread. You're such a dummy. <laughs> I like being dumb. Uh this is the spread. Uh Seattle is Plus six point five, and the over under is at fifty one point five. Okay, I, I have a more concrete answer here. You may make a legal U turn in California across oh. the double yellow, across the double yellow line when it is safe and legal in a residential district uh-huh. if there are no vehicles approaching within two hundred feet. That's Okay, that's good info. But our our thing is the U turn for literally answering my question. The thing is, the U turn has already been made, so it doesn't matter if they're legal or the 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 legality status because we're at one eighty degrees now. Hmm. Um, go ahead, Maddie. Oh no, no! I just gave you the the gambling stuff. Uh, Ty asked, "Can the offense bounce back?" Well, based off, you know, we 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 covered it. We're not. Newsy podcast, make sure you check that out if you haven't. But based off that Broncos game, they were busting coverages in the first half, but in the second half, they looked pretty good and they brought a lot of exotic pressure. Uh, well, not exotic, but well, you know, exotic is in the eye of the exotica. But I think they, I think... you know, they pose some difficult problems, but really, this defense is very similar to, um, you know, what Seattle was yeah. doing or it is kind of doing and i mean it's not going to be i mean i'd be surprised i hope not but i would be surprised it's not going to be as like multiple and like personnel like shuffling as the cardinals game i agree i agree i mean on that note by contrast the chargers are pretty simple like yes staley isn't so like they play a lot of cover one in addition. So like when they're not, they play a lot of too high, but when they're not playing too high, they play cover one basically. And then occasionally cover three as a trips check. With star uh, man corner, JC Jackson. Yeah. Who's getting toasted right now. So if they play oh. cover one, 
good luck because it doesn't matter what formation Seattle's in under center pistol gun. They will, they're going to shred you. Gino's going to be needling throws in and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are going to beat your corners downfield. Um, so, and um, Staley seems pretty in the mind of, I'm going to go middle field close if you start running on me. Like that Broncos game, the gun run was popping big time. Right. Like he doesn't have the same dudes up front. And so what happened is he's like, well, I'll put an extra guy in the box. At which point, DK Metcalf, say hello. Tyler Lockett, which, say hello. Which is why I think Pistol will feature this game. Because like they ebb and flow with it. Like they'll go between like you know, five snaps a game to like 15 snaps a game with it. Like they'll, they'll ebb and flow a little bit. I think they will be closer to 15 snaps this game because your whole menu is open in pistol, right? Like for the things that we've talked about ad nauseum. So if they're in too high, you can run your mid zone stuff. You can run at them for real. You can, you can attack them. And if you do that well enough, then they'll play gapped out. And that means you're the, the go balls there. Um, if, uh, but if they, if they, it, it, at the same time, if if they don't play gapped out though, and you're in pistol, and you're doing all your other stuff, um, especially if you're running out of trips, they reliably play half quarter quarter to trips. Even though it's too high, you can manufacture that one on one week with uh, DK Metcalf. So we might actually see you know Gino launch like an inside release, um, you know, uh, go ball to. Um, oh, wow. Or, or fade ball to um to DK, we might actually see that because that weak safety will be poaching. He'll be sitting fairly low, even though he's in the shell. And you'll have a one-on-one, even a bigger one-on-one than you have versus cover three or cover one. Um, so I think that will be a variable. It'll be really important um, to, to see if they can work that. Um, outside of that, though, it'll just be working zone windows um, and everything. Um Glad we're having a good time here. I might have missed something. I did not miss uh, anything. No, it's no. Maddie, Maddie, it's, Maddie, 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 the... Maddie centered himself for the first time in the history of the show. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't have done it without all the Twitter comments so saying. On the flip side, though, they have an, albeit injured, they have a flamethrower masquerading as a quarterback, at quarterback in Justin Herbert. But they don't he go deep. They run so much quick game. Yeah, it's very so, hard to sack. You can extend the game. So I feel like we'll see more point, of this. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I, we're going to see more of the bonus fire zones, more of the bonus fire zone drop spacing, even if it's not technically a, a bonus fire zone. Drop um, eight as well to just drop kill in, the... Drop eight. You're just going to get underneath those windows, man. It's um, all just like spacing Hank, so that curl flat, and then like all curls. Like, I don't understand. And then they're, it's they're, Herbert, if their receivers wore double digits, which they don't, they'd it would look like an all tight end, like Carolina Panthers style offense. And like Staley's outright said that that's what they're looking for, like big kind of um, receiver types. But like maybe it's a game where you see straight cover two as well, you know, like because the quarter yeah. side otherwise is going to get picked on a bit. But then I guess if you drop into the quarter side with your edge, then maybe you make it work. But that is going to be interesting. Big test of the tackling and. Like in terms of like seeing Woolen against the bigger receivers is going to be really exciting, and then hopefully Mike Jackson doesn't get too bodied, you know. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then outside of that, it's just going to be containing Herbert because he can. You can put pressure on him, and he'll avoid sacks. Still, he can release the ball at any angle off platform. 
you think you have him, but you can still get the ball out. So I don't know. They're going to have to be coming coming into the game to tackle. So there you go. How much do you think the the rib injury though is is kind of impacting him on that front? Yeah, if at all. I mean, a tiny bit, but he, he um, seems, seems to be in a bit of I'm, pain. I'm going to interrupt here. The mm. Panthers, sorry to be so rude. The Panthers are trading Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. It just happened. Wow. wow. For what? For what? Uh, what draft picks, according to Adam Schefter. No way. Wow. She- Schefter always has that news. Draft yeah. picks. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> okay. Well, the pod is extended. You that's uh that's quite the U-turn right there by the uh that's, not, that's not a U-turn <laughs> Egypt. Okay, let's uh can we can we get some score predictions? I don't know. Oh yeah, Any yeah, yeah. So char- chargers, char- chargers, chargers, Ta- chargers, chargers score predictions. Uh I think the Seahawks win. Wow, bold. Ooh, whoa. Um, I never say Didn't that. Didn't see that one. 31. Two. So I'm gonna say seven. Seventeen. Oh, okay. All right. Do you know I'm what? Gonna... That's a bit high. Like Eckler's gonna get this famous last word. We gotta watch get, out for the screens, get, right? He's gonna get bodied. Yeah. Big screen alert. Screen alert. Big screen um, Twenty Seahawks. Hmm. Multiple and, day and it's going to be 23-20, but like a convincing 23-20. Okay, like like Chargers like are down like 23-13 and score like garbage time touchdown yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah. It around it, like, or maybe, yeah. maybe like a special teams touchdown or something. And you're uh-huh. like, ah, no, fuck that. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah, multiple day two picks. Multiple day two picks for... That's good CMC. because... Because running backs matter, right? It's, yeah, that's, that's good that's for the definitely... Seahawks that they're draining out all their day two picks. Yeah. Do they have uh... a first round pick or have they like oh my word, look at this guys. Oh oh no. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh shit, I'll we're be... we're we're in spooky season. It's Halloween, baby. Only ten days, yeah. right? Oh no, eleven yeah. for you guys. Matt Maddie F spooky. Um all right, I'll get my pick in here while you're fixing your light or, or what have you. Um, I'm going to go. Look, there's no Joey Bosa. There's likely no Keenan Allen. Um, JC Jackson is is bad right now. That secondary is kind of questionable overall. But Lockett might not play. I'm going to go. I like Griff's score. But I don't want to just copy Griff. So sounds I'm like gonna go a, Griff. I'm gonna go with a completely original score here. 2421 Seahawks. 2421. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll take either any three any of the three scenarios personally. I mean, I like Maddie's the most, of course, because like winning by two touchdowns would be uh, very cool. Um, but yeah, M- well, Maddie, there you go. I mean, Maddie was the closest last week. He did say the Cardinals were scoring like seven points. This is the thing. Yeah. Like, I'm tired of being disrespected. These predictions mean a lot, and we put a lot of work into them, a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of analysis. And the fact that I, it's not you taken look like to you've like, by 
You look like you've descended from the heavens to tell us. Well, here we go. Ain't not fitting. Look like you have no. the light from Valinor at your back. <laughs> you you wouldn't know what that means, would you, Maddie? Well, no. you've you've read the books, though, right? What books? You're not even a real Englishman that you. I didn't read. hear what yeah. you said. I didn't hear what you said. You mean Lord of the Rings? Yes. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Have, have you have you read the appendices or the uh, the Silmarillion? Are you that no. much of a nerd about it? No. That's Valadriel, Stan, Tidane, Gonzalez reporting. Also, I have this problem where, like, all of my stuff that I've like read or learned, I've like forgotten because it's all been replaced by football. Mm. Like, it's really yeah. bad. Like yeah. everything. I feel that you, you have to that. diversify your exposure to pop. My portfolio. So you don't become a zombie. No, I do. You're right. You're right. There's there's more important things. Except there um, isn't. anyway, thank you everyone for tuning in. We appreciate you. We'll be back after the Chargers game. We don't have to worry about the Mariners, so we'll be back basically. Maddie, why? Why, Maddie? <laughs> <laughs> that that wound is still win? fresh. It's still fresh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back after that game with live reaction. Until then, thank you so much. Please like the YouTube video if you haven't already. There's people in here. Like it. We have we don't get as many likes as watchers, so I know who you are. Please like the video. If you're listening, please subscribe. Five star reviews. We appreciate you. And until next time, this has been Seattle Overload at C Mike Spin Move at Dane G N Z L Z Z L Z and at Matty F Brown. And then follow at Seattle Overload. We appreciate you. Thank you so much.